1 Kings 13. Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by Yahweh's word to Bethel. And Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. He cried against the altar by Yahweh's word and said, Altar, altar, Yahweh says, Behold, a son will be born to David's house, Josiah by name. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and they will burn men's bones on you. He gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which Yahweh has spoken. Behold, the altar will split apart, and the ashes that are on it will be poured out. When the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam put out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! His hand which he put out against him dried up, <laughs> so that he could not draw it back again to himself. The altar was also split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by Yahweh's word. The king answered the man of God, Intercede for the favour of Yahweh your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me again. The man of God interceded with Yahweh, and the king's hand was restored to him again and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. The man of God said to the king, Even if you gave me half of your house, I would not go in with you, neither would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it commanded to me by Yahweh's word, saying, You shall eat no bread, drink no water, and do not return by the way that you came. So he went another way and didn't return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and one of the sons came and told him all that the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. The father said to them, Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen which way the man of God went, who came from Judah. He said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. He went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. He said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, I am. He said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. He said, I may not return with you, nor go in with you. I will not eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by Yahweh's word, You shall eat no bread or drink water there, and don't return again to go by the way that you came. He said to him, I also am a prophet, as are you. And an angel spoke to me by Yahweh's word, saying, Bring him back to you into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And he lied to him. So he went back with him. He ate bread in his house and drank water. And as they sat at the table, Yahweh's word came to the prophet who brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Yahweh says, Because you have been disobedient to Yahweh's mouth, and have not kept the commandment which Yahweh your God commanded you, but came back, and have eaten bread and drank water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body will not come to the tomb of your fathers. After he had eaten bread and after he drank, he saddled the donkey for the prophet, whom he had brought back. When he had gone, a lion met him by the way and killed him. His body was thrown on the path, and the donkey stood by it, and the lion also stood by the body. Behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the path and the lion standing by the body, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God 
who was disobedient to Yahweh's mouth. Therefore Yahweh has delivered him to the lion, which has mauled him and slain him, according to Yahweh's word, which he spoke to him. He said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me, and they saddled it. He went and found his body thrown on the path, and the donkey and the lion standing by the body. The lion had not eaten the body, nor mauled the donkey. The prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. He came to the city of the old prophet to mourn and to bury him. He laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. After he had buried him, he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the tomb in which the man of God is buried. Let my bones be beside his bones. For the saying which he cried out by Yahweh's word against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria, will surely happen. After this thing, Jeroboam didn't turn away from his evil way, but again made priests of the high places from all the people. Whoever wanted, he consecrated, that there might be priests of the high places. This thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from the surface of the earth. All right. So um, we've got this interesting story. In the last chapter, Jeroboam didn't want people going to Jerusalem, so he set up two new places of worship with two golden calves, new priests, new festival, new sacrifices, and told the people of the ten tribes, don't go to Jerusalem, but here, worship this way. Now, those two places were Dan and Bethel. Um, This chapter is all about the place in Bethel, which is the southern one. The northern one, Dan, that was actually discovered in an archaeological dig, and I don't remember the details of when it was discovered, but I read all about it, and I remembered seeing a picture of the site. You can Google the high place at Dan, and there's a picture of it. You can even see the steps going up to where the golden calf used to be, and everything. Super interesting. These places were historical, they're real, and the one at Dan, at least, um, is still there. Not the calf, of course. And, um, but the, in the southern one, the southern one in Bethel was close to Jerusalem, about 18 or 19 kilometers away, not very far. And the Lord sent a man of God. It's, his name isn't given here in this chapter, but in Josephus, his name is Jadon. J-A-D-O-N. And so Jadon comes from the tribe of Judah. Now, we don't know whether he came from Jerusalem. If he did, he had an 18-kilometer walk or so. If he came from another part of Judah, it would have been further or shorter. And um, he comes, and as Jeroboam is offering on the altar, he says <laughs> there's going to be a sign, and there's going to be a king called Josiah. By the way, there was a king called Josiah who wasn't born for like almost 300 years after this, and Josiah's going to burn the bones on this altar. And that's all, that all happens later on. And um, so it's, it's a true prophecy. And Jeroboam's angry, reaches out his hand, his hand has a problem, the, the man of God prays for him, his hand is restored. Jeroboam wants to host him, but he has to return home by another way, because the Lord told him to, and not stop. But someone hears the story of this, you know, a prophet. Um, now, I don't know why the prophet went after him to try to get him to come back, whether the prophet was told by the Lord to do that, or whether the prophet was just glad to meet someone else who was like a prophet and wanted to make a friend. I don't really know. The story's kind of strange. But he tells this man of God, I too am a prophet, come home with me, 
an angel appeared to me and told you. So he lied. He just told a blatant lie. So clearly he wasn't a God-fearing prophet um, to lie like that. And uh, the result is that the man of God disobeys what God told him to do. Now this actually happens to us too. We, sometimes we know what God has told us to do, but then someone else comes along and says, the Lord says this, or we, we, we hear a sermon where we think a, a, a new perspective is preached or, or something different is preached, and it seems to be opposite to what we know is true. And sometimes, without questioning, we go with the new thing. And um, in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 to 21, Paul wrote, test every prophecy. <laughs> now, those would have been great words for this particular chapter because the man of God could have said, hang on, I'm supposed to test this instead of just believing it because it could have been a word from the Lord that's true, but he had to test it. Now, in, in um, the church, you know, the modern church, the, the New Testament church that we're a part of, prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit and the Lord does give accurate prophetic words to people but sometimes people come along with things that they thought up themselves. Sometimes they kind of know, oh, I, th I think I might have just made it up. Sometimes people kind of get a sense and they, they think it's made up. But sometimes people have thoughts that are their own, but they truly think they're the Lord's thoughts. And sometimes people also have thoughts thrown in there from the devil. So it can be a mixture. And that's why we're told to test every prophecy. And uh, how we test... If you get a one-off random prophecy, someone submits a word from the Lord and they say, the Lord is saying to do this. Let's say we had a prophecy here in church. Someone brought a prophecy and said, the Lord is coming back tonight or, you know, back next week and everyone sell your houses. Um, would we just believe it or would we test it? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Just because someone said it's from the Lord doesn't mean it's from the Lord. You have to test. And I know in my own life, I used to keep a journal where I used to write down things that I thought the Lord was saying. And it's a really interesting exercise to go back to those journals from when I was a teenager and when I was in my 20s and you read, and you read things and you think, wow, that was really from the Lord. Then you read other things and you think, wow, I just made all that up. So it's sometimes in hindsight, you look back on it and it's really, really obvious. Now, one of the ways of testing it is to share it with uh, you know, a spiritual leader or others in the Lord. And sometimes they can see what you can't see. But it's really important to have, an, you know, to have a teachable heart because there are some people that are so offended when you suggest that maybe it's not from the Lord. And <laughs> because they think that, that every time they get a word, it's 100% from God and they want to say, thus says the Lord. But I tell you what, you know what? Everybody will at some point make a mistake and the Lord allows it to, to keep our pride in check. No one's gonna be right 100% of the time. And that's because we need each other. We're a body of believers, you know, so the Lord works through us all. Otherwise, why would we need anyone? Would you, you could just be an individual on your own and if you got the, the, the Lord's voice perfectly all of the time. And that's another reason why we have the scriptures, because we know that they are the word of God and we can trust them 100%. Back at the time of this man of God, he didn't have much of a Bible to go off. And um, he, he clearly just, and he didn't have the wise advice to test every prophecy. So he fell into this trap and it cost him his life. Now, as he's returning home, a lion jumps out and mauls him. 
and then the lion just stands there over his dead body and he's riding a donkey. The donkey is unharmed and the donkey just stands there. It's the strangest little picture. A dead body of a prophet and a, man, and a donkey and a lion both standing there next to the dead body and not moving. Um, <laughs> this to me reeks of symbolism and I'm still trying to work out what the symbolism is to be completely honest. And I re did read commentators on this and a few commentators suggested that this was symbolism but they suggested, you know, oh, the lion is the lion of Ju Judah. It's a symbol of God, of might and strength and the Lord's judgment. Well, you know, I thought that too. The donkey, well, they're all different ideas about what the donkey could symbolize. And, um, but I, I thought the donkey could have symbolized submission and service. And um, some people said the donkey symbolized peace. Some people said the donkey symbolized stubbornness. And when you look in the Bible, there's several examples of the donkey being used. And one is, you know, Balaam and his donkey going back to the book of Numbers. And the other is Jesus riding in a donkey going forward to Palm Sunday. So you've got these other examples of a donkey, but you don't get much of a hint of those. And um, so I'm going to be honest with you. And I am going to say that I don't know what the symbol is and the picture I is, but I wonder if it's an enacted prophecy. Because here's a man of God. He's told by the Lord to do something. He goes and says the right things, but then he fails to do the thing that he was told to do. So he doesn't return home the way. And he, it's enacting out a prophecy, not only for us, but also for Jeroboam, because Jeroboam was someone who was told by the Lord what to do. He said the right things. He said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, but he fails to do the right thing. So it's almost like what happens to this man of God is an example of Jeroboam, but acted out all in one day. But certainly an example for us too. It's not just enough to say the right things about God. We need to make sure we do the right things too. And I think a big lesson in this chapter is to test every prophecy. So Lord, we thank you for these interesting chapters. And I pray, Lord, that you would give light and understanding concerning the symbols of the lion and the donkey over the dead body of a man of God. I pray that you would cause it to be understood. And so, Lord, let your grace be given in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think you know what the meaning of those symbols are, feel free to post them in the comments below. Blessings. I'll see you tomorrow.